I ask you to turn to Romans chapter 13. I have something a little different for you today. We just completed a series called The Parade of Fools on the parable of the prodigal son. It was for the whole church. It was a special and different kind of series. And uh, before, But before I start my next series, which I'm going to start next week, next week I'm going to start a series on wisdom, and we're going to look at various passages from Proverbs 1 through 9. But today I thought I could just have a just kind of one kind of standalone sermon. Um, and I know this is a, probably, if you've been going to church for a number of years, this is maybe you've never heard a sermon quite like this before, or very rarely so. And today I want to talk about civic duty, actually. I want to talk about how we can love our neighbors as citizens of this country and of and in our towns because this is Memorial Day. I thought I'd actually give a Memorial Day sermon, which is something that probably most churches don't do. And so I thought I'd take this time, since I'm going to start this series next week, I thought it might not be the best idea to start a whole new series on Memorial Day. But um, So I thought I'd give a Memorial Day sermon and I'd like to preach from this very important passage. I don't know how many of you have ever have read or even studied this passage, but it's an extraordinary passage, and it has tremendous implications for how Christians are intended to live in society, even often in societies where people may hate Christians or even look down upon Christians or reject Christians. And this is, a, so this is Romans chapter 13. It's reverberating a little bit here. It's okay. Romans 13, verses 1 through 10. This is the word of God, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. It's rather severe. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. It's not a message we often like to hear in America, right? Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to God's wrath, but also not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, um, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's a rather interesting passage, is it not? But that is the word of God. And let me pray for today's message. Some of the things that 
the scripture says, it's hard, Lord. We don't want to hear sometimes that uh, you have instituted govern, governing authorities and you have done it and you intend for us to obey and be subject to them. And that you call us, Lord, to not only pay our taxes, to give respect and give honor. And I pray, Lord, especially on this weekend, um, that we would be mindful of this. Lord, this is, a, this is a large and important topic about what does it mean to be citizens and to, um, and to give civic honor, Lord. And I pray that uh, I would do so faithfully and um, help call people to obey this, not only just to be because we're supposedly good people and good Americans, but because Jesus, Jesus has given his life for us and Jesus calls us to his kingdom and to citizenship under him. So bless us as we hear this word today in Jesus' name. Amen. As I usually do, I have three parts to this message. Part one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, under the title of Civic Honor and Participation. I'm going to talk about civic honor and participation. Part two, I'm going to talk about what does it mean to love your neighbor, loving your neighbor. And part three, I'm going to talk about the gospel and how the gospel makes us look at the city and the issue of civic love, how the gospel shapes us, how we look at the city and civic love. So part one, let me talk about civic honor and participation. This is it is a, it's not a fun thing to hear, is it? The, the latter portion of this, uh, of all of, almost all of uh, Paul's letters, mo- a lot of them, most of them, the latter portion of Paul's letters, what he tends to do, he has a habit of, in the, in the, in the opening portions of his letters, he tells you the meaning of the gospel. He tells you what Jesus has done for us, which makes all the difference, and how we have been saved by his work on the cross, and how it has huge implications for life. And then in the second portion of his letters, what he tends to do is he tells the churches that of whom he wrote letters, this is how you ought to live. In light of what Jesus has done for you, there, this is what the Christian life looks like. What life under Jesus, what life under his reign looks like. And in Romans chapter 13, he, has, he teaches something which a lot of people do not want to hear. He tells you to obey those who are in authority over you. Respect your government. He says to pay your taxes. I hope all of you pay your taxes, okay? Um, But actually, remarkably, what he's saying is paying your taxes is not just a civic thing that you have to do, you know, like taking your vitamins or, you know, like eating your vegetables. I mean, it's right down there with eating your vegetables and having to do your exercising, right? I mean, probably even lower. Most of you hate paying your taxes. I do, right? Um, I t- always take my extension. My wife can tell you I take the extension because I hate filling out that stuff. Um, but literally, this passage is saying that paying your taxes is not just a civic act. It is actually a spiritual. It is, it is a spiritual act. Now, under this whole thing, under this whole set of commandments, what I, want, what I want you to understand is not just a pure set of practical do's and don'ts. What there is, is embedded in this set of verses, is a whole theology of how a Christian should look at what it means to be a part of a whole city, a part of under, under governing rules. And so, um, you know, many people think this is just, you know, this is the way... 
uh, you can be guilted to do, you, do your part for society. But no, this is, it is right there within the scriptures that within a way of understanding and believing who you are in Jesus, there's a very particular understanding of what it means to be a citizen. And some of you, we live in a very, we live in a time where the politics are incredibly dysfunctional. And we live in a time when people are very cynical about our government. And it doesn't, you know, this, this, this doesn't matter whether you're on one party or the other. I mean, almost everybody is. And you we're not even just cynical about the people who are on the other side. I don't know which party you're in, and I, and I don't particularly care. And that's not the point of this message. You can be a Democrat, and of course, you're very cynical about those who are Republicans and vice versa. But we're even cynical about those elected who are in your side. <laughs> we don't even trust the people that are supposedly on your party. That's how dysfunctional our society is. And we have tons of movies today in which there's tremendous skepticism and suspicion of those who, uh, who rule over us. We have almost every summer there is a movie about some evil, evil scheme that came out of the CIA or something where they murder people or do all kinds of evil lying activities or for the sake of power. And these are the things that we very much wrestle with in our time. And, and throughout history, governments have been evil. Governments have done all kinds of awful things and oftentimes in the name of righteousness, in the name of varying virtues, for the sake of the glory of their nation or even in the name of God, people, uh, governments have done this. And um, despite the fact that we're very cynical of our government, I would say the United States of government, on the, on the whole, if you read, and I, am, I definitely am a huge fan of history, on the whole, the United States government has, I would say, is, is pretty much way up there on the curve of governments throughout history. So despite the fact that we're very cynical about some of the things our society and our, our leaders do, it is uh, ours, the, the civic, civic practices and some of the virtues that our government and our society and our country has placed into our, our nation, they're actually quite good. Right? And it's produced quite a nation that has produced much blessings for many people. That's why people want to get in here. If you want to know what, where people think a good life is, they vote with their feet. People literally will break their laws and risk their necks to get into this country. That says a lot about the type of country that we live in. And in this weekend, I'm, I'm asking you not only merely because you're an American. I'm asking you to think a little bit about what this weekend means, about what Memorial Day means. And this is very scriptural. Now, let me say a little something about this passage. There's some, many of you may look at this passage and go, gosh, you know, that's very nice for Paul to have said that to Christians back then, but we're living in a really messed up times, right? And let me say to you, if that is your objection to this passage, for, let me make just two points. One, the Bible never calls us to obey the evil our government tells us to do. If, if your government says to do something quite explicitly evil, that the scriptures forbid, then we always obey God over the scripture. That's one point. Okay, that, that's, I hope that's obvious to everybody, but it's not to some. So let me make that very explicit. Let me make a second point. When Paul wrote this, the Roman Empire was in decline. The Roman Empire was very corrupt. We are talking one set of evil dictators after another, and they did evil things to lots of their minorities and to the people that they um, conquered. 
And Paul was very much a Jew. And as a Jew, he had a whole set of laws from God's word, and he could use God's word and look at the practices of the Roman citizenry, and he could see a lot of them were very corrupt and perverted. And yet, nonetheless, he said this. He said this, that the authorities were not just there by accident, that they're there given by God. And even sometimes when they don't do wrong, they're they're still rightfully to be given a form of respect. This is probably what he's saying. And on this day, I would like us to think a little bit, particularly tomorrow is Memorial Day on this weekend. And, and I think especially in a church like this, lots of, where lots of immigrants tend to come, or, and minorities tend to gather, minority, ethnic minorities tend to particularly be weak in thinking about and observing a weekend such as this, Memorial Day. What is Memorial Day about? I'm going to say a little bit more. But literally, it is to remember those who have died to protect our country and, to, and to, for the things that we believe in in this way of life. That's literally what our, this weekend is for. And yet, you know, especially maybe you know, on other parts of the country, I think they observe this, observe this weekend a lot more seriously. But I've noticed, especially in California, we're not too, we don't take it too seriously. And especially here in the Bay Area, and maybe particularly among ethnic minority communities, the Memorial Day weekend is essentially three-day weekend. It's, 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 it's when we get a day off from work. Right? It's when uh, the summer gets to kick off. It's when I get to go watch a ball game. It's when um, I'm going to have friends over to, to have a great barbecue. That's often what Memorial Day means, but that's not what it should mean. Right? And oftentimes when... Uh, those who are immigrants are in a society like this. They don't tend to feel the ownership and the blessings of the society. But many people come into the society to receive blessings, but they often don't think about what does it mean to contribute into the society. So a lot of immigrants, let me put it really bluntly, a lot of immigrants, we want to be takers, but we don't want to be givers and contributors. And that is absolutely not, that is not the way under the Lord's kingdom. The Lord calls us to be contributors. Not only pay your taxes, but to give respect. Literally, he's saying, give something from your heart. To give honor, to give from your heart. What is due to people, even if they don't agree with your views of God, even if you don't like them, even if you often feel like you are an alien, if you don't feel like you have a full-fledged member of this society. And oftentimes, Christians and Especially when God's people, they were minorities in the places they were, and yet God repeatedly would call them to bless their cities, to participate in the civic practices, except insofar that it was idolatrous, and to bless their neighbors. This was a repeated call from the scriptures. And let me add, saying that though many of you may not feel this, I'm, I'm not sure to what. I personally deeply love this country. And I don't, and though I may be a Korean American, I've been around lots of other Korean Americans, I'm well aware that most Korean Americans don't often, they like to think of themselves, so they like to emphasize the Korean, not the American. Um, I think, I don't, I don't, I believe, not just because I love America, but just as a historian, and from some of the hardships that, uh, that, that my family came from, we have received very much in this society, but not just because we're Americans, but under Jesus. Even if you're not an American. You know, this would, 
This call would be right to you, even if you weren't American. Let's say you're not even a citizen, and maybe some of you aren't a citizen. But to give honor. Right? Now, um, you know, I just want to say one more thing about this. One more point before I move to the second part of my message. Right? That when we're talking about giving civic honor where honor is due, um, you know, sometimes you, what we often t- take for granted is that there's lots of great things you have in this society. There's a reason why this is the freest and one of the most prosperous societies there is. So many of the blessings that you have, they're all interwoven into your citizenry. There's tremendous sets of blessing you have because of the government, because of all kinds of things that we take for granted. And I want to just, just, just set your mind a little bit on that and to take this weekend as a, have, a, have a piece of gratitude for it and to give honor to the people that help pay for it. Literally, in this case, they have paid for it with their blood. And, you know, just to just help you think about this, um, if you ever think, if you've ever gone to another country where it just does not work very well, if you've ever gone to a country where things are corrupt or done in very underhanded ways, or if you ever watch movies, I mean, I, I think about this, and there's lots of movies like this today. You ever watch movies where people are in a country that's, where it's a tin pot dictator or there's a revolution or things are falling apart. So recently, my wife and I, we watched a movie. I mean, it's pretty recently we watched this movie. Has anybody here watched the movie Contagion? Anyone watch that movie? One person. Okay, so three people in this room have watched this movie. My wife and I and, and, and one other person, one other strange, completely weird person that watched this movie that apparently nobody else wanted to watch, okay? It only came out a couple years ago, but in this movie Contagion, it, it depicted something really quite interesting and remarkable. I mean, I'm not saying it's a great movie, but it, I think it is worth watching. And um, do you guys remember a, a number of years ago, there was something called the SARS virus, and people were very much afraid, especially to, to travel to Asia. And, you know, there was this, this, this uh, epidemic that was spreading that we didn't know what to do about. And then, and then a little bit more recently, there was this thing called the swine flu, which later on was officially called the H1N1 virus. But what this movie did was take the SARS virus idea, and, and there's literally a portion of the movie where they cite the SARS and the H1N1. And they took that idea and, exp- and made it like oh, a thousand times scarier. <laughs> And essentially, there's a portion of the movie where a, a, a specific virus comes out of China. And this thing is so deadly and it's so easily transmittable, literally millions of people start dying around the world. And what happens in this movie is what people have to do in, in such a situation. And there's a sequence in the movie where there's a woman from the World Health Organization. She goes to this portion of China to investigate what happened because this is... I guess the steps that they take to, to try to figure out how to come up with a vaccine and to contain the virus. And after, you know, the locals cooperate with her, but then they start speaking to each other in Chinese. And the guy comes from this one particular village, and you know what they decide to do? They kidnap her. <laughs> they kidnap this person who came to help them, right? They kidnap her, and then she goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's shocked, and she can't believe that this is what they're doing. And then they say, look, we're not going to hurt you, but if we kidnap you and hold you for ransom, when they come up with the vaccine, because people are just dying left and right in our village, when they come up with this vaccine, we'll use you, and we'll, they'll put us at the front of the line for the vaccine. And that's what they did. 
the rule of law just starts breaking down when things start getting hard. And then there's a point in the movie when they actually have the vaccine and they start giving it out and then there's, there's a line and then there's a particular point and then the vaccine runs out and they have to announce to everybody, sorry, we've run out for today. You'll need to come back tomorrow. And then the people in line, they start getting angry and a mob start to form and they start to rush forward because they're in desperation and the rule of law breaks down. You realize that if you live in a society where the government respects the rule of law, that a government leader just can't just walk into your house and say, hey, hand me this or give me that, because there's a respect for the rule of law. And that all the other citizens, we treat each other with a certain kind of respect because we have a respect for law itself. That this is a tremendous achievement in society. So many societies in the world, they don't even have this. In fact, you can even say the majority of societies on this planet do not have this. And just to think that, I'm just offering this, just this one thought into your mind, what it takes to live in a society such as this. If you live in this day in and day out, it's very easy to take for granted. And here I think, especially on the West Coast, we do take it for granted. Here in California, Memorial Day is, is barbecue day. And that, I think that's, that's sin. And that is a terrible thing, right? And, and I want to ask you today to think differently about this. Okay? Part two, let me talk about love your neighbor. It says here, it says here, owe no one anything except to love one another. And I, th- I think this portion where Paul talks about loving your neighbor, it is not an accident that he placed it right after this little discourse where he talks about paying taxes and giving respect and giving honor. Loving your neighbor in the Bible is not primarily about your emotions. You know that? Just like you look at your neighbor and you're like, I don't know him. I don't like him. He lets his cat run over to our, on our front lawn and poo on our front lawn. Like that, that happens literally to me and my wife. And we're thinking, we don't know which one of our neighbors lets their cat poo on our front lawn. But whoever it is, that person does not make us happy, right? But the question is not whether you like them emotively out of your heart. The Bible's call to love your neighbor, because the Bible is very realistic. It doesn't, it knows that you can't have an emotive connection to every single person in your city. The Bible's call is to look to your neighbor and to offer blessing and to the flourishing of their life. And there's lots of different ways to do this. And a key way to do this is to have faithful presence in being, in just being a great neighbor and being a good citizen of your town. And civically contributing. Um, just to, think, to, to give you a little sense of this, um, let me. Um, I, 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 I imagine most of you don't know much about Memorial Day. I didn't, and so in preparation for this, I did a little research. And, you know, not a lot of research. It, I just got this from Wikipedia. Okay, Wikipedia makes things so easy these days. It's so great. All right, um, if you're a knowledge and curious junkie like me, I, Wikipedia is fantastic. But here is a, a, just a few things I learned from Wikipedia. That me- Memorial Day arose from the Civil War. And it was a practice that was started, that they actually originally started, that they, they originally used to call it Decoration Day. And at first it wasn't one specific day. Various people would assign various families 
and would assign certain days and they would have this practice. But then they started being called a particular day that they called Decoration Day because what people would do is they would go to a family member, they would go to a, a cemetery, in particular their family members who died during the Civil War and they would decorate the headstone and remember and honor that person. And um, and what would happen is over time it started to it started to evolve that it wasn't just the people in the Civil War that we would honor it would be all the people who have died in all our wars. But this is a part that I found particularly remarkable. After the Civil War, both those in the North and the South began to honor and remember not only the soldiers that were on their side. This is really interesting. Right? Those in the South would honor and respect and memorialize the soldiers, even in the north, who died in blood. Even though in the war, they were the enemies. But now we're going to be one country. And as a mark of healing, and as a mark of honor and respect, they began to remember the soldiers, even from the north. And the north did this for the soldiers from the south. And this eventually evolved into remembering all the soldiers who died in all our wars as Memorial Day. And um, let, me, let me just share with you one thing that I found particularly uh, kind of moving. This is, a, this is a practice, this is the way it would be practiced in a lot of places. And maybe in lots of places in this country, they still practice it this way. Right? Listen, annual decoration days for particular cemeteries are held typically on a Sunday in late spring or early summer in some rural areas of the American South, notably in the mountains. In cases involving a family graveyard where remote ancestors as well as those who were deceased more recently are buried, this may take on the character of an extended family reunion to which some people travel hundreds of miles. Think about that. People take that very seriously. They, they mark this day on their calendar. And they're going to say, I'm not just going to have a barbecue in my backyard. I'm going to go meet with my family. I'm going to travel hundreds of miles. And we're going to remember those who have sacrificed for us. People gather on the designated day and put flowers on graves and renew contacts with kinfolk and others. There often is a religious service. In other words, in this, this being America, that means they prayed under Jesus. And would have a practice that they would call dinner on the ground, the traditional term for a potluck meal in which people used to spread the dishes out on sheets or tablecloths on the ground. So they'd have a picnic outdoors. And they would remember people who paid a great price for the healing and for the protection of our nation. And I want you to just think about this. That you and I, we receive great blessings, not only because some people pay taxes, but some people pay a much greater price. They pay a tax for Liberty and prosperity and freedom and the rule of law, they pay with their blood. And on this day, I want to ask you to just think about what it means to be a citizen under Jesus and to contribute and love your neighbors, ways that you could love your neighbors. Let me just offer a couple different ways, right? Um, You notice that the taxation in... I don't know what it is. Our gov- I don't know if it's just because our, our, our local governments are just dysfunctional or they're wasting their tax money. But do you notice that around our neighborhoods, there are certain neighborhoods where litter is starting to grow? Do right? you notice that the weeds are piling up? 
I live in a relatively wealthy town, but I notice that the weeds are bad when you just walk, just drive around on the streets, right? And there are days I, I, I wish I could just take, all right, maybe I can't fix all of it, but how about on my local street if I just go pull a few weeds? You know, one of our laws, you're not supposed to litter, and I hope none of you litter, but how about instead of not only not littering, but every now and then, as you walk along the street, if you see trash, just pick a few pieces up. And imagine if all those people who believed in Jesus were to just do that. They were to just say, my neighborhood is dirty from litter or from weeds. And we can't fix all of it, but we'll just do a little bit. And we'll do it because we love our neighbors. Even if you're not a citizen of the U.S., right? How about that? Um, oftentimes, I think about my community in, when it comes to education, and I think about the way it affects schools. And so when the school board puts out newsletters or particular special announcements, I pay attention. And recently, um, I, there, was a, there was an announcement for a special particular meeting in, in our school district. I live in the Cupertino School District. And they had a special uh, presentation given by a Berf- Berkeley math professor because they're going to change... They're going to have a very significant shift in the school district. I don't know if many of you guys know this. They're, going to, they're changing to something they call the Common Core Standard. It's a very significant shift in the curriculum. And it might be happening in a number of other, other districts throughout San Jose and throughout the state. Right? And so I went. It was a, it was a Tuesday evening um, at 6. I didn't particularly feel like going. <laughs> um, but I went. And honestly, couple... My two older children are soon not going to be in the Cupertino School District, so it's not even going to affect them. But my youngest child is going to go, and I went partially because I want to know how my youngest child is going to be educated. But you know what, why else, what else was on my mind when I went to that meeting? I thought, I was sitting there going, I don't feel like it. Oh, oh okay, be a good dad. <laughs> Literally, there's some of the thoughts. Okay, be a good dad. You should care. What if, what if this curriculum sucks? <laughs> then your daughter will not her math abilities, and all her others might just go out the window. You should, at the very least, be a good dad. But as I was on my way, I actually started thinking, what if the curriculum really stinks? Shouldn't you speak up? I'm a person with a a certain amount of education. I have a certain set of knowledge base that I can begin to discern if the new curriculum is is bad. I should speak up. And I should care not only for my own daughter, but I should care for my, all my neighbors' daughters and sons as well. For this is, and, and for these kids, if they grow up and they can't do their math and they can't do their reading or something like that, it's going to affect our whole city and our whole country. And so I went to this presentation at the Lawson Middle School. And just, just, it was a Chinese fellow. He was a Chinese math professor who had an accent. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's a brilliant guy in math, but just imagine a, a math professor from Berkeley. Guess, guess how well he speaks. Let me just, guess, just imagine how well he speaks. And for the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, gosh, that was, he was boring me to death. Right? And um, I was tempted to leave, honestly. <laughs> but I stuck around, and for the last hour, it actually started getting quite important. And... Um, and there, a couple questions came up, and honestly, I, I'm, I can't say that I know for sure whether the Common Core curriculum is going to be good or not, but some questions came up from the audience which gave a lot of people pause to think, this, wait a second, some of this might not be being done in the most smart way. Right? And I'm very glad I went. 
But I'm just offering this to you, not because I'm the greatest example. Honestly, I am bad at this too. I'm preaching to me. I'm, I'm an immigrant Christian American, and oftentimes I don't want to do civic responsibility, and I don't want to care about my neighbors, and I want to just live my nice little comfortable happy life and be a taker of our society too. Well, let me call you. Under Jesus, this is not the way Jesus calls us to be. Now, the third part of my message. So far, everything that I said to you is duty. (laughs) Everything I said to you is be better. Try harder. And if that's all I said to you, then I just gave you a lot of Christianized do-goodism. But, that's, this, but we are a, a church under the cross. And we pronounce here every week a good news. And I hope I'd like to pronounce to you something, something that's more than just duty. Okay? And honestly, let me, let's just be, let's be honest. A lot of us, we'd rather be takers. In fact, a lot of us are takers and not contributors. But let me ask you to a call for repentance from your heart. And maybe, and even if you're not just maybe little small steps, even little pieces of repentance. For me, going to listen to Common Core curriculum from the really boring Chinese professor from UC Berkeley who, who, who has an accent, right? That was just a little piece of trying to love my neighbors right? as well as love my, my daughter, right? But let me offer you how, a motivation, just thinking about this, seeing it differently, right? What does the gospel say that can help you to think differently and be motivated differently and hopefully even begin to feel differently about your city and about Memorial Day and about just the patterns of our life together? You know, God, God's son came. And when he came, he came, he came to be the king of a nation, to heal that nation. And then he went to the most important city of that nation to say, if you'll be under me, the nation could change. It could be under God. But what did they do to him? They rejected him. Jesus came and he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He helped the poor. I mean, he did lots of great and good things and called people to love and respect and honor one another. But then what did they do? That city, Jerusalem, it murdered him. That city, that country, murdered him. But Jesus actually literally came because he knew that he would be rejected. He knew that he would be cursed and despised, and yet he came to die outside the city for the sake of that city. That city that he died outside is Jerusalem. And you know how the Bible ends? How the, how the book ends? God says that one day there would be a grand new city. And you know what, what he names that city? He names that city a new Jerusalem. And you know what that's supposed to mean? That Jesus died outside of Jerusalem to pay for the sins of Jerusalem so that he could renew Jerusalem. And one day there would be a whole new Jerusalem, a whole new civic way of life that would be without oppression, without lying and without stealing and without taking without giving. And so the people would have a whole new heart and a whole new way to live in a city and to live a new way of life. Jesus made that way for us 
by dying on the cross outside of Jerusalem. And so he calls us. He calls us to be under him. One day, brothers and sisters, all those of you who believe in Jesus, you are going to walk, I don't know if it's literal gold. That's the way it's described, streets of gold. That's the way it's described at the end of the Bible. I don't know if there'll be literally streets of gold, but the streets will be like gold because there will not be any weeds that nobody wanted to care for and there won't be litter because everybody will pick up after themselves (laughs) because everybody will love one another and there will not be robbers and stealers and I don't even think we won't even need police and we will need no one else to die to protect the shalom and beauty of the city because Jesus has died for the shalom of the city. And so because Jesus has already made you absolutely a guaranteed citizen eternally in the greatest city, the most beautiful city that will ever be, will you help San Jose become something more like a new San Jose? Jesus took a Jerusalem so there will be a new Jerusalem. Will you follow Jesus? Because he has done for you. The first citizen from God, Jesus, will we be many of the citizens Will we be not less citizens than our, our neighbors? Would, be, would we be citizens of the New Jerusalem to help San Jose be a new San Jose? But and sisters, on this weekend, would you think about Memorial Day tomorrow? I hope you do enjoy a good baseball game and go to the park or whatever. But tomorrow, I don't know, in some way, maybe think tomorrow. Remember, pray for, bless. Right? Those of us who, those of our fellow citizens who have paid a great cost so that we can live and be blessed the way we are. Let's pray. Lord, we so often, um, you know, we don't contribute to our city. And um, so many Asian Americans, we don't even want our our children to go into the military because we'd rather make money being uh, professionals of other sorts, Lord and not be put in harm's way. But Lord, today, we as a church, we, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for our fellow citizens and for our neighbors, even some who may, many who, who don't believe in you, and many who may even despise and reject what we believe. Help us, Lord. Today, may we honor them, may we respect them, and may we love and pour forth and Would you place a seed, even a small seed, like a mustard seed of faith in in us who are so poor at practicing civic honor and civic love. But today, because of Jesus, Lord, would you place a seed of repentance in us, a seed of citizenship in us. Because we are citizens of Jerusalem, of the great new Jerusalem come, would you make us better citizens of San Jose, and of California, and of America, and particularly on this weekend, will that shine in us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.